Hey everyone, it's so great that you're joining us today. Uh, if you weren't here last week, we are, we are in a series called No Doubt. And the aim here is to show you that there are certain things in life that we can be certain about. And of course, I'm not talking about the Michigan weather or I'm not talking about the, the rising housing prices, but I'm talking about the fundamental truths of life. And last week, uh, Travis talk, talked about forgiveness that once we place our trust in Jesus, we can be certain, we can be sure that we are forgiven. And today I want to talk about relationships. How can we be sure about relationships? And of course, I'm talking about this subject because I'm the expert in this field. I know everything about relationships. I'm just joking. I, I, could, just, I could just picture my wife shaking her head like this. Relationships. It's always fluctuating. It's always uncertain. I remember when I was in high school that something unthinkable happened one afternoon. And just to give you the context, uh, this is a high school in Tokyo in Japan. And there are many differences between schools in America and schools in, in Japan. One being that when you get inside a, the school building in Japan, you have to take off your shoes. Okay, so, so you have to take off your outdoor shoes and, and get your indoor shoes on. And there is a special place for you to do that, and it is called the getabako. And it looks like this. It looks like a pigeonhole, right? And it's like a pigeonhole shaped like a shoe rack. And everybody say with me, getabako. It's called getabako. So anyway, this getabako is where a lot of dramas happen in Japanese school. So that afternoon, as I was getting ready to go home, I noticed that something was inside my getabako box. And it was a letter. And it was not just any kind of letter, but it was a love letter. And I was like, a love letter? It was the first time that I received a love letter from somebody. And I, I felt like I could just like literally walk on the moon. Remember that feeling? I was so happy. I was so thrilled. But there was one problem. That whoever wrote me that letter, either intentionally or uh, on purpose, I don't know. But she forgot to put her name on that letter. So I, I didn't know who gave me that letter. So the next day, I had a challenge of going around different classrooms, trying to figure out who in the world gave me that letter. And it was so awkward. Because you can't just turn up to a girl in a class and say, um, did you, did you happen to write me like a, a letter these days and uh, put, put it somewhere inconspicuous? <laughs> it's so awkward. And long story short, I never got to know who wrote me that letter. It's a mystery to this day. So if you're watching this right now, I'm just kidding, you know. But the, the, all that is to say that relationship is so ambiguous. It is so uncertain. Human relationships are so uncertain. Does she like me? Why does he hate me? Why did, why did she ditch me? All my emotions change. All relationship is always fluctuating, transient. And because of all the doubts and uncertainties that come from human relationships, we get hurt and questions remain unanswered. If there is so much uncertainty in human relationships that we can see with our eyes, that we can touch, 
Can we have any hope having certainty in relationship with God whom we cannot see or touch? You know, having the relationship, the right relationship with God is so important because any issue that arises in the horizontal relationship with other people is fundamentally rooted in the problem that comes from our vertical relationship with God. And, you know, I'll be honest with you that I sometimes fight with my wife. Why do I fight? Is it because I forget to take out the, uh, the garbage in the morning? Maybe. Is it because I, I, I don't wash the bathtub? Yes, maybe. But fundamentally, it's, it's because there is some kind of brokenness between my relationship and God. Vertical and horizontal are related. I cannot love because I forget the love of God. I can't forgive because I forget that I was forgiven. Vertical, horizontal, related. So the question that I want to put on the table today is how can we be sure that we have a right relationship with God? How can we be sure? That is the question that we want to explore together. But before we go in, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your goodness, for your plans. Thank you so much that, that, that you love me. And thank you so much that we can relate with you, that we can build relationship with you. But sometimes I'm not sure whether you love me. I'm not sure whether we are in a right relationship or not. So tell us, God, speak to us, God, to have certainty in our relationship with you today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So we've been looking at the book of 1 John, this wonderful letter. This short letter was written by John, and it was addressed to this church that John had a special heart for. Now, what stands out in this, in this letter is the word love. It is mentioned over 40 times in this, in this short letter. Oh, you have to love your brother. You have to love one another. Don't love the world. So why is John so concerned about love in this church? Well, ironically, it was because there was an absence of love. People were not loving each other. People were fighting and there was conflict and it was ugly. And John is trying to address this in this letter. And he addresses this issue not just not by trying to make people love one another. Hey, you have to forgive. Hey, you love that guy. Not by doing that, but, but by calling people to love God. Calling everyone in the church to love God more. And that's what is happening today. And this is where we take off today. Chapter 2, verse 3. And it goes like this. And by this we know that we have come to know him. If we keep his commandments. So John is saying, you have to love God. And this is how you know that you love God. It is by keeping God's commandments. That's what John is saying first. Now, it's kind of easy for us to skip this verse. Uh, but if you notice, it's kind of unique what John is saying. John is not saying, by this we know that God knows me. But John is saying, by this we know that I know God. It's not the, the fact that, that whether or not God loves me. That's not the question. But the question that's on the table is whether or not I love God. 
It's not the outside-in type of love, but it's the inside-out type of love. You know, when we begin a new relationship with somebody, usually we are concerned first with uh, other person's love for us. Uh, I still remember the first day that I went on a date with my wife, Sunny. Uh, so we went to the city. This was in Tokyo. We had a wonderful time. You know, we, we, had, we talked together. We, we had some dinner together. And we said goodbye. Maybe see you later. Some other time. Now, after I got home, what was I thinking? Now, of course, I was thinking about that sashimi that I had. No, I was not thinking about the stupid sashimi. I was thinking, oh, well, I wonder if she likes me. Any relationships begin with that question. But then fast forward a few months, you know, we're engaged and we're married, and it's no longer uh, just a boyfriend or girlfriend type of relationship, but it's a marital relationship. And after the honeymoon period is over, if I was still asking that question, I wonder if my wife loves me. I need a counselor or something. I'm just being skeptical about my wife. What the question that I should be asking is, I wonder if I'm, if I'm loving my wife enough. I wonder if, my, if I am giving her the right amount of time that she deserves. For love to grow deeper, there should be a shift in the question that we ask from, I wonder whether she likes me or, or she likes me, to a question of, a self-reflective question of, I wonder if, if, my, if my love is enough. And the same applies to our relationship with God. It's easy to question the love of God, isn't it? You didn't get the job and you say, God, do you love me? You get hit by a car and you say, God, are you in control? It's so easy for us to question the love of God, to question the sovereignty of God. But when was the last time? When was the last time that you asked yourself, do I really love God? When was the last time that you stopped and asked yourself, is my love for God growing? Our relationship with God start to grow, start to prosper. Once we flip the question, oh God, love me, God love me too. I wonder if I'm loving or growing in my love for God. When was the last time that you asked that question? And John is saying that there is actually a, a barometer that we can use to test our love for God. And that is by looking at our obedience to God's word. So let's continue to, to look at the, the verses. And by this we know that we have come to know him. If we keep his commandments, whoever says I know him but does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. And he continues, but whoever keeps his word in him, truly, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. So John is saying that we know that we love God when we look at ourselves and whether if we are keeping God's word, God's commandments. Now, what are God's commandments? Well, if you look at the scripture, you have to first talk about the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments that was spoken to Moses. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not kill. You shall not steal. You shall not want. You shall not teach your wife how to drive. 
That's the 11th commandment. I wish that was in the scripture. But then, then you have all the additional commandments in the scripture too that kind of expounds on the 10 commandments. Now, some people say that, that there are over 600, 600 commandments in the entire Old Testament. But Jesus made it easy for us because he said all of the commandments can be summarized into just two. Love God, love other people. So John is saying here that if you keep these commandments, then I know that I love God. Because here's the point. Obedience is the fruit of our healthy relationship with God. John is saying that love is not just some kind of a fuzzy emotion. You can't just say to God, oh God, I love you, I adore you. That's not love. John is saying if you truly love God, then you obey. Then you listen to God's word. Now, this doesn't mean that we are saved by doing good works. Nowhere in the scripture does this, this word of God teaches us that. We're saved by God's grace and we are to, to just receive it by faith. But what John is saying is that if our faith is real, then we will love God. Then we would listen to God. That's what John is saying. Obedience. So important. But the word obedience is not an easy idea to swallow, is it? When John wrote this letter, there were a handful of people who just hated the idea of obedience. And they would say, obedience? What are you talking about? I'm saved already. God is love. I mean, is that, isn't that enough? Why do, I, why do I have to obey? Are you from the 80s? People did not want to obey. And today, I believe that we, are, we live in this world that is not much different from the world that John lived in. Obedience is not a, a popular idea. I mean, kindness is a popular idea. Love is a popular idea. Grace, but obedience, please, come back next week. You know, we all have bad experience of uh, working with somebody that, who, who gave us a very difficult time. I used to work in Tokyo and uh, worked under this boss who would give me uh, some work at 9 p.m. at night. And he would tell me, you got to finish it by 9 a.m. next day. And I was like, when am I supposed to sleep? I felt like I was a used rag. So when God tells me to obey... I have this a little bit of hesitation in my heart. Is God going to make me work overnight? But John is not talking about that kind of obedience where we have to, to drag our bodies to obey. John is saying that obedience is beautiful. There is joy in obedience. When we truly understand the nature of obedience, then we begin to see that obedience is actually good. And so John leads on to the, the next section of the verse that we're looking at today. He says this, talking about the nature of the commandment that John is talking about here. Beloved, I am writing you no, no new commandment, but it's an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing to you, which is true in him and in you. Because the darkness is passing away and the true light 
is already shining. Now, there are two things here that we need to know. First of all, that John is saying that obedience is beautiful, obedience is good, because we're talking about obedience to an old commandment. Now, why is old commandment good? It is because, it is because the old commandment of God is, is an old and unchanging truth. It's not like a law that you get one day, and then four years later you get a new president, and the law changes completely. Now, I'm really dealing with this issue right now. I have this legal status here, and I need to renew my, my visa. And to do that, I need to pay a lot of money to hire a lawyer because there's no way for me to keep track of all the changes happening in the immigration law. But God is saying that, no, the law of God, the old commandment of God is not like that. It's unchanging. It doesn't change. Because God, what God likes doesn't change. What God hates doesn't change. The law of God actually, actually shows the heart, the, the heart of God. It shows what is good, what is sinful. So the purpose of the law is this, that it reveals sin. It reveals sin. What is good? It shows the heart of God. And therefore, obeying God's word is good. And did the law, the law of God, achieve its purpose? Well, heck yeah, it did, right? When we compare our, ourselves, our actions, our obedience against the holy commandment of God, there's no chance. We fall short of it. We fall short of the glory of God. We learn how sinful we are. So heck yes, heck yes, it achieved its purpose. But John says, don't despair. Hold on, hold on. It's not just an old commandment, but it's also a new commandment. Old commandment is also a new commandment. Has John gone like schizophrenic or something? Has John lost his mind? No. Now, what does John mean by the new commandment? Well, he's just saying that the new commandment is an old commandment. It's the same content. It's an old commandment communicated in a new way. Now, how did the Old Commandment communicate it to the people? It was communicated through the, a, a prophet called Moses and later on other people. But then the New Commandment was communicated by no other than Jesus. And it happened on the night before he was crucified. And John, the disciple who wrote the letter, was there at the scene of the Last Supper. Jesus said, Jesus said this, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. So Jesus again, summarizing the whole law, he's saying, you need to love one another. But when Jesus said this, he not only said it, but something happened. Right after he said this, the Roman girls came and, and they accused Jesus of something that he didn't do. He was interrogated. He was whipped. He was blamed, ridiculed. And eventually he was crucified. Jesus not only commanded to love one another, but Jesus actually loved us through his blood by dying on the cross. 
So when Jesus gave us a new commandment, oh boy, he changed the whole meaning. Well, he didn't actually change it, but he opened up a whole new dimension, a whole new depth of what it means to obey God's command. It's like going into Costco one day and you see this quantum LED displays, the one that costs like $3,000. It's the same content, but Wow, it's a game changer. And similar to that, when Jesus came and gave us a new commandment, he showed us a whole new dimension of what it means to obey. So why do we love one another? Is it because we are afraid of God's punishment? No, we love because God loved us through the cross. Why do we forgive one another? Is it because somebody is holding a knife against us? No, we forgive because God forgave us through the cross, through his death and resurrection. When we see the cross, we forgive a whole new dimension. And John is saying this lastly at the last as the last message in this section, he says, whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. He's saying that if you, say, if you are saved by Jesus and you turn around and, and yell and curse at your friend, what are you doing? If you do that, you're still in darkness, meaning that you haven't seen the cross yet. Those who are in darkness have not seen the cross cross and those who are in the light have seen the cross and they would willingly they would joyfully follow God's word you know recently my wife got into an accident a car accident and I never forget when this happened because it happened on the Independence Day morning <laughs> and and so boom, right? Instead of the fireworks, my neighbor gets a car crashed into, into their garage. And when I got to the scene, of course, uh, my wife was so uh, distraught, confused, uh, but she was okay. She was okay. Uh, Reka, uh, our daughter, was okay too. You know, but what surprised me that day, that morning, was not just the fact that my wife got into an accident and my car is like smashed. But what surprised me was the presence of love, the overwhelming love on the part of the, the owner of the house. You know, I, I heard many stories of people, you know, getting into a car accident. And, and pe some people would threaten you to sue you or something. Use all the bad language that you could think of. And, but our neighbor, different. Gosh, so much love. Are you okay? Don't worry about the house. Drink some water. Just calm down. And my wife was so touched. She felt so forgiven. She felt so forgiven that they became friends now. And recently we got our car fixed and my wife is driving on the road again. And how is she driving? Well, she's driving under influence, you know. She's drinking and she's going 90 on highways. No, she's not doing that. She's driving very carefully. I mean, very carefully. She's driving it like, like this, very, very carefully. And she's doing that because she was forgiven. Now she doesn't 
take driving for granted. She sees it as a privilege. Despite all the laws, the traffic lights, the stop sign that she needs to, she needs to, to keep, all the laws that she needs to follow, she enjoys it. She, she sees it as a privilege. You know, when God gave us the law, God revealed what sin is. And we learn that we messed it up. I messed it up. You messed up. We all messed up. And it was like driving your car to your neighbor's garage on Independence Day. It was bad. And we could have been in a huge trouble for that. In fact, the scripture says that the, the, the wages of sin is death. And what is death? It's not just a physical death, but it's, it indicates an eternal separation from God. But the good news is that God is love. God loves you so much. God loves us so much that he sent his son Jesus. And when Jesus came, he gave us a commandment. And it was the same commandment, nothing new. But this time, Jesus not only spoke the commandment, but he did. He obeyed the commandment. He modeled the commandment for us. He gave us new life through his death, even though we don't deserve a new life. He gave us a second chance, even though we messed it up so bad. And that is why we love. We love not because somebody's holding a knife against us. We love not because we're afraid of punishment. We love because Jesus died for us and showed us what love is. We forgive because Jesus, through his blood on the cross, he forgave us. Let that sink into us this morning, the question that you and I have to ask ourselves today is, when I look at my life, when you look at your life, what is God speaking to me? What commandment of God, what is God speaking to me these days in terms of obedience? Are you pretending to not listen to a certain word of God? Are you pretending that your just life is perfect or is God drawing you to a certain direction. How can you be obedient to God's call today, God's word today? And I just wanted to end this time just to, it's always nice to finish with the scripture, right? And Romans 6 beautifully summarizes what I've been talking about. So I'm just going to read this and let this word sink into your heart. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who die to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Today, the question was, how do I know that I love God? Well, there's a sign, there's a fruit that we can see, which is obedience. Is there a fruit of obedience in your life? But for some of you, you haven't got to that point yet. Before you talk about your love for God, you need to first come to term, terms with God and understand that God loves you. As, as you are listening to this, Maybe you are, you know, processing the question. Well, you say that 
I need to love God. But first of all, does God love me? How can we know that God loves us? You know, I talked about that, the, the love letter incident during my high school days. I never got to know who wrote me that letter. Never. But I did receive another love letter later in my life. And it was a love letter from God. This scripture is a love letter. And this time it was signed. It was signed by Jesus, by the blood of Jesus Christ. You know, when God says that God loves you, he's not, he's not talking about some kind of fuzzy emotion that is here today, gone tomorrow. A love that betrays. He's not talking about that kind of love. When God says, I love you, I know your name, he's talking about a concrete love. His love is so tangible that he sent his son, very own son, to this earth to die for you, to save you. And that's how much he loved you. And his love for you is not based on how good you are. It's not based on your deeds or, or actions. No matter how messed up you are, wherever you've been, God wants to have a relationship with you. And to do that, you don't need a special degree. You don't need a special skill set. All you need to do is to receive it by faith. Humble your heart and receive God's grace. And believe that Jesus' blood has forgiven you. That's all you need to do. And I just wanted to give you that opportunity this morning. You know, we always say that it's not the prayer that saves, but it's your, it's your heart, it's your faith in God. But this prayer is just to help you to, to really search your heart and express your love for God. So if you think that God spoke to you today, I, I want to ask you to close your eyes right now, wherever you are, and pray this prayer with me. Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you that even though my life is messed up, when I compare with your perfect law, a good law, even though I see myself not meeting that standard, despite that, thank you that you came for me to die for me. I don't understand everything about it, but I want to. I want to start a new relationship with you, Jesus. I believe in your death. I believe that you died for me. I believe that you resurrected for me. And I want to commit my life for you. Jesus, take my heart today. Jesus, build my relationship with you today. In your name I pray. Amen. Well, as we continue to pray, I just want to say this letter of God, the word of God promises you. That once you commit your life to Jesus, once you believe in his blood, his death and resurrection, you will not perish, but will spend eternity in heaven. Eternity in heaven. How awesome is that? Father, thank you so much for speaking to us today. Oh, what a wonderful news it is that we can build a relationship with you. It's so easy to question your love for us. Do you love me? Are you in control? But I want my relationship with you going deeper, God. I don't want no shallowness. I want to go deeper. 
and help me to ask, is my love for God growing? Is there a fruit in my life? Is there a fruit of obedience in my life? Thank you, Father, for speaking that to me. I want to obey you. I want to follow you because you showed us how. You died for me, God. Thank you, Lord. We follow you today. Help us, oh God, for the rest of the week. I love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen.、Uh, hey, listen, we don't want to walk alone. Whoever、uh, made that prayer or of confession today, we want to help you in that process. And so, what you can do is、uh, you could text the word Mile City、uh, to the number 94,000, and、uh, we'll get in touch with you and we'll learn about your life and, and、uh, help you along the way. So, text the word and love to help you along the way.